Blog Talk Radio. Well, hey everybody, welcome to the Freedom Girls Sisterhood. We are women helping women live full, fierce, and free lives. And I am so glad to be with you again today. And I am not alone. I definitely have with me the sisterhood today. Yay, I want to welcome back to the podcast Wanda Sanchez and Miss Shelly Beach. I'm so glad you guys are with me. We used to do this a lot, and it's been a while now. Shelly, you don't even live locally anymore, so you are in Iowa. Why are you living in Iowa? Oh, well, somebody abducted my grandchildren, and (laughs) so in order to have time with my grandkids, uh, my husband and I have moved to Iowa, so that's where we are living now. Well, that's an amazing reason. I can't think of a better reason than to um, uproot yourselves. But you guys are in a retirement mode, and you still work, of course. You can work from anywhere because you are a prolific author. Prolific? Mm-hmm. Prolific. Yep. He's a prolific author. <laughs> You're an amazing author and writer and editor. In fact, all of us sitting here today are authors, but you've been kind of the mama to us. Oh, and um, that's what I want to talk about today. I want to pick your brain, and Wanda and I will contribute as well. But, you know, this is a podcast that's committed to helping women live a full life and a fierce life, to face things that they would be afraid of and to face it with courage and bravery, take risks and live that adventure that um, maybe once before when we were caught in our trauma or our pain or some woundedness, in a situation or a season of life, we just didn't do it. But now we're like ready to say, hey, you know what? Life is too short and life is too grand. There are too many opportunities that we shouldn't have a piece of this amazing pie. And I believe that there are women who feel like they have a book inside of them Mm -hmm. or an article inside of them or a story in any medium that they want to share. They want to get in touch with the story that's been their life, the healing that they've lived, perhaps maybe the trauma that they've endured or encountered. And um, at this point in their life, it's not only maybe therapeutic, but it could be really beneficial to someone else. Or maybe they still are at the beginning of their journey and writing could be a therapeutic tool. So I want to talk about that today. Now I just said a whole bunch, but it was writing. How did you get started writing? Talk to us about that a little bit. Well, I always wanted to write when I was a child and um, actually started when I was in high school working for a newspaper and, um, but as far as professional writing, um, I went into teaching because my, my parents didn't think I could make much of a, an income writing. And um, so I, I became a Christian school teacher where all the big money was. (laughs) (laughs) That's a joke, by the way. (laughs) I began, I began writing what I things that I was familiar with that I thought would be helpful to other people, kind of like what you said, um, writing things about um, how I was um, educating my children. Mm-hmm. I re- began writing for our denominational publication because I thought that was a an attainable goal. I read their I read their publication. I was very familiar with it. I knew what they wanted. Mm-hmm. I read their writers' guidelines, and I began submitting and selling pretty much immediately. Uh, because I looked at what they wanted, I looked at how they wanted it 
sent to them, how many words, and what they what types of articles they were looking for, mm -hmm. and sent very specifically to meet their needs, which is an important goal if you want to start writing. You want to be able to, you want to be able to um, to study your market and make sure that you're writing for that particular market. So yeah. I knew that I had things that would would match their their market needs. So two thoughts on that. First of all, I'd love to hear about how you felt when you sold your very first article, and maybe you remember that moment. I would think that you do, um, or maybe you don't. Because, you know, let's face it, we're 50-something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But also, you know, the world of writing has changed so much that nowadays maybe you're writing for a specific market and you have to meet their criteria. Or maybe you're just blogging and you get to make up the rules. It's kind of different today a little bit. But do you remember your first article or one of your first articles? I do. I actually remember the first time I got paid for writing, which was a, which was a contest. Oh. And I submitted a poem, and I got a hundred dollars savings bond, and I immediately went out and cashed it for probably about twenty-two dollars. <laughs> and um, the first time I sold an article was again to this publisher that uh, was a denominational publisher, and I made about I made about forty dollars for it. And I was I was just awestruck that um, that somebody wanted to read my writing and that. It was going to be read by people that would hopefully be helped by it. And actually, that that publisher still reprints many of my things. Wow! Um, as re awesome. as recently as probably four or five years ago, I I still was getting occasional checks from them for reprints. So that's a that's an awesome feeling. That's yes, and congratulations on such a stellar career in writing. You've been such an amazing coach to me. In fact, I owe you the, if it was not for you, and of course we know God was behind that, but meeting you and your spirit of networking and connecting people, like Andrew in the Bible, you know, here's a little boy with some fish, here Jesus, what can you do with this? I felt like I was this little kid with a little sack lunch. I mean, I don't even know if I had a fish, a, some breadcrumbs, and you brought me to some people who because of God, you know, was able to turn it into my first book. Just people were very, very generous with me when I first began writing. A lot of people kind of built into my life. They, they mentored me. They pointed me in the right direction. And um, I didn't, I didn't know about writing as a business. I, I think I knew a little bit about writing when I started, but not about writing as a business and, and writing as a professional and uh, what it meant to do it uh, like a professional. And people taught me. And I was grateful for that, and I knew I always wanted to, I wanted to pass that on to others and to multiply what people had invested in me. And so I've been, I've tried to be a person who, who is generous with others about, uh, what, about whatever I may happen to know or who I may know, who I can connect you with, uh, who I can help you, um, you know, who I can help you uh, come, who who can. I connect you with it can come alongside you perhaps yeah. and help you if I don't happen to know that because writers are always learning. We don't know everything. <laughs> I'm still learning. So, well, and thank you because you have been very generous and I think that in in this world, I would say the writing world as a business is it's a very competitive thing and for you to share your network and your contacts and the people that you know is very unselfish. It's very giving and selfless and kingdom 
the in the kingdom of Jesus. And so thank you so much because so many, so many women that I know and men too, but you have a, um, even right here in Grand Rapids, you have a group of writers that meet together. I've, um, I've believed in that multiplication factor. And so I've, I've, you know, started a couple of small writers groups, but also writers conferences so that you can gather people all in one place and give them access to learning and education about writing. And, uh, and they can kind of get involved in that in process of dipping their feet in the water and writing a book or writing articles and getting started in the process if that's something that they, that they want to do, if that's something they love, if they feel they have a story or, or they want to write articles or, um, you know, learn how to be a journalist or whatever, bring in people to, to teach them. Yes, and that is actually how I got started in writing. I also loved writing when I was a child. Because of my childhood, I did not pursue it in any way. But I used to write stories, and I loved that. I read books. I just enjoyed it so much. But then life happens, and I got married young and had children right away, and I just absolutely stopped. So I never was formally educated in journalism or writing. I didn't remember all of the rules of grammar, etc. But I started going to a writer's conference. And I thought I was going to learn writing techniques, but I... I, I did a little bit, but what I learned was the business of writing. I learned the community of writers. I learned and met publishers and people. I met you. You were one of the teachers there. And I began to get myself in the environment of mm -hmm. writing, yeah. which opened up my whole life to understand mm -hmm. how it worked and what it was about and that my story was just one piece of this whole recipe that goes into writing okay. a project. Yes. And so I highly recommend that for people mm -hmm. to go to writers. Just real quick, give your, your, your context for the writers group, and then I want to ask you, ask you some questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Wanda, if people wanted to be involved, like in Scribe Tribe, they would connect with us on Facebook. Facebook. Uh, Facebook. Scribe Tribe. Scribe Tribe, on, <laughs> Tribe on Facebook, and um, I'm part of a writers group out in Iowa. Although I don't, con I am not the the major organizer of that group, and um, but she's a co-founder, the founder, really. Yeah, you were well, the founder. I'm, I'm a co-founder of the, the writers a writers conference out there called the um, the Cedar Falls Christian Writers Conference, and um, you can you can check the internet for that as well. Cedar Falls Christian Writers Conference. And, or Christian Writers Workshop, I'm sorry. Right. And um, that's an excellent writers conference. I also um, helped uh, co-found the, the Breathe Writers Conference here in Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. um, I don't live here. I'm not part of that anymore, but it's an excellent conference. Um, mm -hmm. So involving yourself with other writers in that writing context of um, where they bring in professionals and bring in editors and bring in publishers and bring in agents and you can find out what the real world, real world of writing looks like and mm -hmm. how it operates is so important. Yes, it, it changed my life. It really did. And you don't just go once. You go several times. You go for the rest of your life. You go, yeah, right. And now for me, I was not the kind of writer that... Although I, I think I've become, I'm becoming more of that as we speak. But I wasn't the kind of writer that 
that wanted to sit in the bed of lilies and write poetry or everything that I did I needed to write or I was even not a huge journaler, but I had a story. I had a message. I had something inside of me. I am a communicator. I'm a preacher. I'm a speaker. But you've seen it, Shelley. I probably can imagine time after time. The writer's conference is about to begin. The wide-eyed student comes in clutching a manuscript or a folder to their chest. They're looking around, darting eyes. They have big dreams, bigger fears, and they have a message or a story. They want to get it out. This is perhaps the profile maybe of a survivor, someone who's gone through a major life crisis or change or or experience, they want to tell their story, you've seen them coming a mile off, they sit at your table, you're going to be their coach for the next 48 hours. Where do they start? What do you teach them? What are the, what are the questions that they have as they come in? I think one of the most important things is for, for anyone who wants to be a writer to be willing to be teachable mm. because um, like I said, you're, you're never done learning, and you're always going to be working with, you know, I've, I've written a number of books and helped a lot of other people write their books, but I'm always still, even though I'm an editor, I'm being edited all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a privilege, because as other people edit me, I learn. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm continually learning, and, and that's, a, that's a, a, a huge opportunity. So... When you, come, when you come in as a writer and you sit with someone who's further down the path than you and who's perhaps like, I, I'm just learning screenwriting right now, so mm -hmm. screenplay writing. So if, if I was able to work with somebody who'd done more of that, I would listen to every word that they said and try to, you know, subject my work to them and say, how can this be improved? So mm -hmm. be willing to let your work be critiqued and to be edited, and if you're not really strong in grammar and syntax and, and all of those things, um, you can work with people who can edit for you, but you need to work on those skills to kind of build them up as you, as you learn to write, and, but there are people who can help you with that, but you need, it's like becoming a plumber or becoming mm -hmm. a truck driver or, you know, becoming a teacher. You need to learn the skills, skills. that are involved with this profession because it's a profession and a craft, so... You go to the conferences and you learn what you need to do, to know, and it'll be certain things for fiction, certain things for nonfiction, um, certain things for blogging, and there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn, but but uh, here's the pushback we hear: like, but God gave me this. God told me that, and I don't want anything changed. And God knows how to spell. God knows <laughs> grammar. God knows punctuation. Um, and some of the things that people have given me that they claim God gave to them, they are, I'm sorry, they're insulting God because it's so poorly done. Mm -hmm. And yes, God may inspire us with an idea or a concept, but the inspiration as we know it of scripture, those things, and God handing off a, something directly written to us, um, I don't believe that happens anymore. And he may give us a wonderful idea, but whatever you've written will need work. It will need polish. It will need editing, an editing process, and, um, and you need to partner with somebody who can help you with that.
It's so true. I heard a statement once, and maybe you're going to know who said it. I don't remember, but they said that writing was putting words on paper, but good writing was taking words off of the paper. Absolutely. And so, you know, there's times where I wrote something, I was very emotionally attached to it, I thought it was amazing, and I let it sit for a little bit, and I'd go back, and I'd read it, and I'd say, what in the world am I even I know. trying to say? <laughs> Sometimes I terrible. edit things or rewrite them. Um, I know my first novel, I, I rewrote that uh, or, or edited it and changed it 14 times. Oh, wow. And Ooh. I still go back and do, do it again um, and make some, make some improvements. You know, and even, even my books that are published, I'll read something and I'll say, oh, boy, I could have said that better. I wish I would have taken this nuance and amplified it a little bit. I have so much more I could have said right there. But for me, when I've been done, and I, I have four books that have been written now, and you've helped me with all of them as my editor, but when I get done with it, I am so sick of looking at that book. <laughs> Yeah. that I was tempted to just say, it's good enough. But you didn't let me, and, and I didn't let myself do that. And now I feel so proud to be able to distribute or hand out that book mm -hmm. or sell it for the price that it's worth because I know it's excellent. But before that, the process of writing, so let's go back to our scenario. You've got this writer there. One of the things I learned from, I think it was you or Cecil Murphy, but to say, go ahead and vomit on paper. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have a mm -hmm. crappy first draft. Yeah. That don't edit yourself. But to me, this is where some of the therapeutic value comes in in telling our story. Right. Or getting, even hearing ourselves say it for the first time. Yep, getting it down. And sometimes you don't know what you're going to say until you write it. Um, sometimes yeah, you don't comes, know what you're feeling until you write it. And you don't know what you're feeling until you write it. And you and it comes out and you look at it and, and, and honestly sometimes you say, oh my goodness, look at that, I'm profound. Um, or, <laughs> or sometimes you look at it and you say, look at that, that's terrible. Um, mm -hmm. Because we need to, writing especially that first time through is self-discovery. And we're discovering what we think, what we know, we're making connections and Yes, we need to get the first draft down, and then we need to go back, and we need to revise, and we need to edit. We need to check for redundancy. We need to um, do a, a lot of things that have to do with the craft. But getting it down that first time um, is extremely important. Yes. And then letting yourself go ahead and feel that, sit with it for a while, and then, but don't overly bond with it, because inevitably, you really do need to put it in the hands of someone else. It's like trusting your baby mm -hmm. to someone else when you're ready to really do that polish for you and help you because that objective read is what really takes it and makes it universal. It takes it from from us out of out of our clutches where we're all emotionally attached to it and we're hanging on to something that really doesn't serve the manuscript well. And we give it to the editor and it's like going sometimes from black and white to full color. It's like, wow, you just, that just became a beautiful masterpiece. And it's, it's important what you said about not attaching to it too much because sometimes if, you, if you're publishing with a traditional publishing house, sometimes they'll say to you, um, I'm sorry, you've got too many words. We need to cut this by 20,000 words. Mm -hmm. And you've got to lose two or three chapters or you need to manipulate it in, in ways that just, um, 
make your hair stand on end and you mm-hmm. think you can't do that. This, every word in here is my baby and I, I can't do that. But when it comes to editing, sometimes we have to do uh, a lot of cutting and ab- and actually I'm working on some manuscripts right now with some clients and I'm doing a lot of taking out things that are extraneous and just not necessary. It's not important to tell the reader everything. It's important to tell them things that are important for them for the sake of, of, of what they need to know for the purpose of the writing. Yeah. So um, That's right. Yeah. What about this? Two other thoughts. One is how, if we have a story that we want to tell, how do we not traumatize the reader? Is there a sensitivity there? And then secondly, what would you say to the writer who says, well, I'm not, I'm not writing for a publisher. I'm going to self-publish, so I don't need an editor. I'm an editor, and I need an editor. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've written lots of books on editors. Everyone needs an editor because you're too close to your own material. I know no one who has published, no one who's published, no matter how good they are, who has um, never used an editor. I'm sorry, that's an act of arrogance, and I would, I would tell everyone that they need an editor. And they need an editor within their own genre, an editor who is experienced in the profession, not somebody who is simply... Uh, well, my Aunt uh, Sally writes really good Christmas letters. Can she edit? No, and not your... Cousin Jerry, who who teaches uh, and teachers uh, can make excellent grammarians, but they don't know all the rules that apply within the industry, and so it really needs to be someone who's familiar with the genre and who's familiar with publishing, and so it's an entirely different um, yeah can of worms within within publishing, mm-hmm. and um, so. Yes, uh, there was another part of your And the question. sensitivity, you, re- you talked about oh. writing and you have to cut two or three chapters out of your book. And somebody might say, this is really important to my story, and they're writing about their trauma. How do we not traumatize our readers? Is there a sensitivity there? Or can we just write whatever we want? Today, I'm reading a book, and I think the guy dropped the F-bomb six times in the first chapter. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can read this. Well, first of all, um, editors will tell you that just because it happened doesn't mean you have to put it in the book. And just because it happened, you don't have to express it exactly the way that it happened, even if you're writing nonfiction. We have choices in the manner in which we communicate something. So we can take that information and communicate it uh, through a letter, or we can do it in a very nuanced way. And um, someone that I know recently in, in, in a in a manuscript that I was looking at, um, was expressing something that was highly intimate information, but it wasn't relevant to the book at all. Okay. And so I suggested that they simply remove it because it, it, it didn't have anything to do with the theme of the book. And they included it because it happened. And just because mm. it happened does, in the chronology yeah. doesn't mean that you need to include it because it had no relevance to the reader. So you can simply lift things out if if they're not really going to. You always write for the reader. You don't write for yourself. And so uh, those if those f bombs just you know if there are other ways to communicate a certain thing about a person or an individual regarding how coarse they are or uh, them you know you can do it a number of different ways without without dropping 
the the precise words mm-hmm. and there are but i want i don't also want to cater to what they call the the sensitive reader the the gentle reader by ignoring the realities of life if you have a character in a book and and she's uh a woman who works the street she has to act and yes. and speak like a woman who works the street and right. so there are times when using uh language and describing people realistically really has to be part of a of a book and um that's when self publishing can serve you well when you may occasionally have have to use certain kinds of language or certain kinds of reality and description yeah but you don't you don't use it unless it's serving a realist a purpose that that serves the reader's needs and makes it authentic and knowing who your reader is too yeah i mean if if That's my good. if my readers are are 78 year old individuals i'm going to uh write one way and if they're 32 year olds i'm going to write another way right i wonder if this is a true statement i'm not sure but could it be you talk about your writing for the reader but the therapeutic value is maybe the first draft is written for me right and then the second draft is written for you maybe i write a first draft that just allows me to tell my story and gets it out but it's not for everyone to read then we go back through it and i say okay i've shared it i've told it i'm going to I'm going to eliminate these things because it happened, but it's not pertinent to the theme right. or the story. And maybe I save it for something else later. Right. That's true. I don't know. And some of that, like you said, getting some of that out and saving it and using it for another purpose um, might be might be useful, um, but it not appearing in the final context of the manuscript. I know for me, my first book was written for husbands when the woman you love has been abused. A Husband's Guide to Helping His Wife Overcome Childhood mm-hmm. Sexual Abuse or Molestation. And I wanted to share enough of what happened to me by my perpetrator so that it felt real, but not so much that someone said, you know, I can't read this. This mm-hmm. is too provocative. or it's... And so just to find that balance, and I think it was with editors that helped me. But I remember there was some some that I was writing where I just broke down and I was just crying and crying and I knew you know what that last bit that you wrote right there that was for you Dawn but it's not meant to go in the book and just to have the discernment to know I needed to write that but it it it, it was just the Holy Spirit working through you know I had opened up my brain the creative creativity was working and memory started coming and it was just for me I remembered and I experienced, and it was beautiful, but I knew it didn't need to be included in the book. Yeah, that's good. My truth then? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll relate it to food. <laughs> yeah, come on, Wanda. Um, Wanda. You know, it's like, um, you know, the great chefs always talk about restraint. And there's a million things you can put in your stew and your pot and blah, blah, oh, blah. Yeah. But if you start putting in too many things, your taste gets muddled and lost, and the message is not even there. Right, and so it's restraint in the creating of this this meal, this mm-hmm. feast. I've told you before, yes. during you know during studying your book, Freedom Challenge, mm-hmm. it feels like I'm feasting. So yeah. it's like that kind yeah. of thing, you know. It's restraint yeah. in using in writing too. What words don't you use? What you know? What can you pull out that doesn't need to be said? Yeah. Because sometimes the things that you don't say are as powerful as the things that you do. Yes. 
I wanted to ask you something on the personal level. I wanted to ask you. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about writing your first book. Uh, what that pro the process was like for you. Mm -hmm. And your first book's title was Love Letters from the Edge. Um, well, I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't actually have that burning desire to write a book like that most writers have. You know, mm -hmm. um, I yeah. loved writing always. Have written for radio and television, blah blah. Yeah. But it never was a thing, you know. So I didn't really know where to start at all. Mm -hmm. And I, I began under the thing of you're not a real writer. That whole oh yes, you know, enter the thing. critic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So actually, Shelley <laughs> kind of guided me through the process of and had to prompt me. Really, I asked for how. Just tell me what is the topic I'm supposed to cover right now, yeah. and then just you know, that's it. That's all I need, and then I'm good. But so there were, you know, it wasn't an easy process for me. I loved it. I loved yeah. learning it. And I, I still like that kind of thing. I like to have a process. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it helps writers to, you know, we know a writer that sits there with a little, uh, I think Charles Dickens character, you know, when they do that. Some thing, inspiration, you know. yeah, some muse. So what was the inspiration for you? Because you, can you share with the listeners kind of what the, what the content was that you were working from? Um, well, we were writing about uh, trauma, PTSD, and women in particular who've experienced traumatic events in their life, um, based loosely on um, our own trauma stories. Yep. Um, but in order to kind of, um, I learned some writing techniques mm -hmm. and how to how to protect or hide okay. certain elements of a story you may not want out there, okay. names, identification, something like that. Yep. That really doesn't have a huge effect on the story. Yes. Like knowing the name of a perpetrator means nothing about the effect That's of the, you correct. Know, the, right. the abuse. It's so, not important. Detail. Yeah. So sometimes you can hide things in a timeline chronologically mm -hmm. um, to throw people off if they're trying to do sleuthing while you're yep. writing. Okay. You, know? um, you can, you can, and th I learned those things from Shelley and, and from mm -hmm. listening and that was the best thing probably about the process was learning that uh, really as a writer you can, you can make it way you want it to be, really. Um, I love your book, The Love Letters from the Edge. You guys co-wrote that together, and it's like letters written to God about saying, you know, where were you? Or, yeah, you're supposed to be a God of love, and you're, right. you're on the edge, and you're writing to God, and then, and you're demonstrating the very thing that we're talking about. Right. You're writing a letter, which is another great tool that our listener maybe yeah. want to consider before you think about putting your story in a book or even an article that yeah. writing yeah. those letters to God and maybe keeping as a diary your journal and those things because when you're going through your healing, however long it takes, boy, you can't go back and remember the rawness or the, the vulnerability or the, oh goodness, the tenderness and the volatility that you're feeling inside when you're actually in that moment. Yeah, it's yeah, great yeah. to capture it right. if you can. Right. that way. We were trying to capture that for, for other other women, just to express that, that pain that you feel when you've gone through trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, you try to figure it out. One of the women um, who was in our, we wrote about in our book had her 16-year-old daughter murdered in her home, and then her 14-year-old oh. daughter uh, left for dead right oh. next to her. So um, that kind of thing, like, what? Yeah, oh, what? my goodness. You know, um, and how do you come to terms with that? Yes. How God comes through in that, yes. and how I respond to that mother, 
in that in that cry in that moment. Um, that was how. Yeah, yeah it, it's that's powerful. It's healing. And words can be so redemptive. Yes. So healing. I think it's Proverbs sixteen twenty four or the other way around that <laughs> words are like honey from a honeycomb that just can bring life to you. I mean, obviously they can kill too and they can wound and destroy. But the words of a redemptive soul, someone who's been there, has found healing, can speak like honey life to you. So, so important and so powerful. So, yeah, so you guys went through that very process and I did as well. And we all kind of could commiserate with each other at times about knowing how arduous the process was. And I love the finished product of having an article or a book or an ebook or whatever it is. I don't like going through it sometimes. It's like birthing a cement brick (laughs) sideways. It's gut-wrenching. And so I remember having sold my first book, of course, before it was written, as they bought the proposal and the concept and the idea, and then the work started. And, I mean, I had some things written, but I hadn't fully processed all of my story and had just gone through a divorce, which was incorporated in. And there were times where I'm like, I will scrub the toilet with my toothbrush before I write this next chapter. (laughs) I know. It's like being pregnant, you know. To me, it was like being pregnant, you know. It's like... Oh no, no, I, I actually have to do this thing. Right, right. <laughs> so romantic when you think about it. <laughs> now I gotta, now I gotta push. And I, I gotta give birth to push it. Push this thing out of me. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just so thankful for all of the thing, all of the books that you've written, all the people that you've helped, Shelley, you specifically. You've gotten over 25 books under your belt. You have awards for your writing. In fact, all three of us have some awards for our writing, so God has been good to us. But I think the thing that we share in common that the three of us love is is writing from a place of authenticity about real subjects like post-traumatic stress disorder, like caregiving, helping someone who's dying, like a, a sexual abuse or overeating and the, the the anorexia or rape or all of those things that really happen that some people they just you know I said my next book I, can I just write about bunnies and kittens and can I just have memes on my Facebook of little yeah. I actually did write about a butterfly in my last book so I cannot believe I'm writing about butterfly but not afraid to tackle life's hard issues, kind of the messy things of life. And I think that is just how God wired us, and that's that's the gift that we share. And if anyone listening today says, that's what I want to do, I want to write my story, do you do coaching? Do you help someone if they have something like that that they would like to get on paper? Um, yes, I do, actually. Um People contact me through Facebook or ShellyBeachOnline.com or, um, yeah, you can find me at um, Shelly Jean Beach on Facebook or uh, you can, wow, you can, uh, you can contact me through um, 
Any of her books are on Amazon or yeah. Yes, I do. Or you can I just do. drive to Iowa and go to her house. Not yeah, I <laughs> that. Come to Iowa. I come to the Cedar Falls Writers Conference. There you um, go. Yeah, but yes, I do coaching and I help people birth their books. And, and we are um, taking more um, writers in Scribe Tribe right now. Okay, so if you're in the Grand Rapids area, season in January. So okay, now is there access to that through Skype Facebook. or is it just? Oh, oh, oh! You mean the actual conference? Well, we're we're not quite. We're talking about doing at least three or four webinars on the app during you know during the year. Okay. Uh, via internet. So okay. In some way, we haven't figured that out yet, but so stay tuned to that. That right. may be coming. Right. And but in the meantime, on um, January, I think, except for one month in 2020, we have our schedule set for the actual meeting, the, the group to get together. We have found we've talked to many um, writers conferences across the country. It just works to have writers come together, be together, mm -hmm. do their thing together. It yeah. you know it just works better. Do you guys have a critique then? Do they bring their writing? That will be part of what we do. Part of it. Just yeah. part of what we do. Yeah. Okay. So support is invaluable when you're in the process of writing. Yep. Yes. It is the best part. So well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being part of the Freedom Girls Sisterhood today. Always a pleasure and a joy to have you on. And you can also learn more about the Dawn Ministries or Freedom Girls Sisterhood by going to my website, dawnscottdamon.com. There I do life coaching and freedom coaching. Or go to Freedom Girl Sisterhood. That's one S in the middle, Freedom Girl Sisterhood. Dot com and learn more about us. In the meantime, yay. yay, we will be back and stay tuned in the weeks ahead. We might have some surprises for you of some new things coming. Yeah. So okay. stay tuned. <laughs> there you go. Some health stuff. Some, some health stuff, mm -hmm. yeah. Some skinny stuff. <laughs> skinny on the skinny. Skinny on the skinny. All right, take care, and we'll see you all. This is Don Scott Damon saying it's freedom.